Welcome to the Find the Good Mamahood podcast. I'm Caitlin Carpio-Futchner, and I'm so excited to spend some time with you. This is a place where I talk with other mamas about their favorite tips, tricks, and resources, and also celebrate the joys of mamahood by sharing real stories and experiences. New moms, veteran moms, moms-to-be, this podcast is for you. I hope our honest chats about the highs and lows of mamahood help you find joy wherever you are in your journey. I am so glad you're here. Welcome to episode number 10 of the Find the Good Mamahood podcast. Today, we're going to hear from Jessica Long, my friend and current next door neighbor. How cool is that? She and her husband, Brian, have two sweet kids and Coda loves looking out the front window or out back at our decks to see if they're out and they've come out to play. Her kids, unfortunately, had some trying times in the hospital when they were tiny, and so she'll be sharing about their health journeys. So, Jessica, welcome, and thank you for being willing to share, even though some of these things are about hard seasons. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Go ahead and tell us about you and your kids. Let's start off by by getting a little intro. Yeah, so um, I am a stay-at-home mom with two kids. Jonah is two and a half, almost three in December, and Olivia is nine months. Um, I spend a lot of my time with my kids during the day. Um, We do a lot of play dates with friends. We play at the playgrounds around our house. There are three within walking distance, so we go to those quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, We go on walks a lot, um, and I love hanging out with other moms, love exercising, Um, when I have free time, I enjoy graphic design and modern hand lettering as well as reading. Although lately it's been a lot more audio books since I don't have time to just sit down and read, unfortunately, but that's been really good. Um, Jonah is super energetic, super talkative. (laughs) He's really funny. He's into cars and trucks and building things. Um, and Olivia is just about to crawl. She loves her big brother. It's just like fascinated by him. Um, And she loves her food. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of her world right now, trying new food. (laughs) It's pretty much, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So thinking back to your kids' um, extended hospital stays, uh, what are some words that come to mind? Some of the words, yeah, that come to mind are hard, scary, frustrating, um, sad, but also encouraging and hopeful. So most of the words I thought of were like negative, but there are also some positive words that that looking back, I do remember. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us the story of Jonah and we'll get to Olivia next, but I remember Jonah's kind of tagline being he's small but mighty being the, a preemie and all that. Tell us the story of him. Yeah. So um, my pregnancy with Jonah was completely normal up until about uh, 26 weeks. I went in for a follow-up ultrasound since the sonographer couldn't see Jonah's hand and foot, funny enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so they wanted to get a repeat ultrasound to make sure those things were actually there. Um, turns out the hand and the foot were there, but <laughs> They discovered I had uh, pre-preeclampsia, so I didn't actually have preeclampsia, but it was quickly becoming that, 
and Jonah had um, intrauterine growth restriction. The short for that is IUGR, which basically meant my placenta was slowly going bad um, and he was just oh, wow. not getting enough nutrients and blood flow. Um, so looking back, it was a blessing in disguise that they had to do a follow-up ultrasound because I don't, um, I don't think his condition would have been caught quite as early. So after that ultrasound, um, they took my blood pressure and it was 180. It was really high. Um, I had no idea that was normal or not. I didn't know anything about blood pressure, but apparently that is a symptom of preeclampsia. So they said, you need to go to the hospital. And my husband and I look at each other like, this is not what we expected after this ultrasound. <laughs> uh, it's a little crazy. Um, so I went to the hospital, they hooked me up to monitors and then, you know, said, your baby is very tiny. If he had to be born this week, we wouldn't be able to take care of him at this hospital. So we need to transport you to a better hospital that has a NICU that can handle babies born really, really early. So I was, I was in the hospital on bed rest, being monitored around the clock. It was a very high risk situation. My husband and I just held our breaths, hoping everything would be okay. I don't think I knew how high risk it was until looking back, but you know, he was, he was just not getting what he needed at that time. And they were constantly making sure he was moving enough, making sure his heart rate was good because at any moment it could have changed. Um, but they wanted to keep him in as long as possible because the earlier I would have delivered, um, you know, the risks would have been higher for him once he was born. But um, thankfully, he held tight um, until just before 29 weeks when my placenta basically stopped working altogether. Um, and they delivered him by C-section as a one pound, 11 ounce baby. He was yeah. so tiny. <laughs> yes, I remember going to your house and seeing his diaper. You know, <laughs> it's just tiny, tiny. What size is that? <laughs> it was like preemie three it's like the smallest diaper you can get there's preemie three preemie two and preemie one before you get to the newborn size okay. so it was really tiny oh. <laughs> so yeah it was a shock it was just a shock to see my son that small um he was born a few days before christmas so he was our christmas miracle baby who was due in march and was born right before christmas um, and I couldn't hold him right away, which is really hard. Um, but on Christmas Day was when I actually got to hold him for the first time. So that was a really cool Christmas gift. Um, he was in the NICU for about three months and he really did well. I mean, there were a lot of scary moments and frustrating setbacks through it all. But um, there were just there were no out of the ordinary complications. And he came home the day after he was due. Wow. Yeah. Were there any particular, you know, scary moments during labor and delivery? Labor and delivery was just the whole thing was kind of scary because I didn't know what was what was going to happen. I didn't know what to expect. It was just so, so risky, such a risky situation. Um, but the doctors or the nurses did warn me, you know, you may not hear him cry right away. That's normal for preemies. Um, but when he came out, he cried right away. He sounded like a little kitten. Mm. 
laughed and cried right away. And I was so relieved and was like, this kid is a fighter. Um, and so that just like set my mind at ease when like so many things were just scary and unknown. I was just, we were just so relieved that he was alive <laughs> and he, you know, I was like, he's alive. We can, we can take it from here. We can figure it out. Um, so we were just, there was just this sense of like relief after he was born. Mm -hmm. All of that waiting and uncertainty was that, that period was done and we could move forward with what, what was to come next. So they're actually, Jonah and Olivia are actually not that far apart, I'm realizing. <laughs> um, so you and Brian decided to have another kid and how did you decide that? Was that hard, a hard decision? Yeah, it was. Um, it took a little while. Um, took me a while to come around to the idea of getting pregnant again. Um, I actually had a miscarriage in between Jonah and Olivia. Um, so we went through that. And then um, soon after that, I got pregnant again. Um, but Jonah was about 18 months, I want to say. And I was I was ready, but it took me a while. I will say it really took me a while to process everything and wrestle with everything. And um, initially I was like, I'm done, one and done. I can't go through this again. But um, I think that God just really helped me just to accept, accept that, you know, he was in control and he was going to carry us through whatever, whatever was to come next. Um, and I really, I really was excited for Jonah to have a sibling. So. And now you have one of each. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> so Olivia came along. She was born which month? She was born in February. Okay. She was born. Oh, she was born right around when, well, Coda's birthday, not when he was born. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, uh, when is Coda's birthday? He's a February 21st baby. Oh, that was Olivia's due date. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Funny. Okay, so tell us the story of Olivia. So my pregnancy with Olivia was complication-free the whole way. Um, I had a few preeclampsia scares um, and went to the hospital a few times, but it turns out the symptoms I was experiencing were totally unrelated. But it definitely freaked me out considering my, my situation with Jonah. Um, thankfully it had nothing to do with the pregnancy. Um, so I delivered her at 36 weeks by scheduled C-section. It had to be scheduled due to the type of C-section I had with Jonah, which was a classical C-section. Um, and if I were to deliver vaginally, the risk of uterine rupture would have been much, much higher. So I had to do a C-section and was expecting that. Um, and everything really went smoothly compared to the high stress situation of delivering Jonah. Um, it was a calm experience. I was talking to the doctors and nurses. <laughs> they were talking to me. I mean, mostly I was just trying to get my mind off of the procedure, but it was still overall just a very standard, calm situation. She came out with a head full of hair, crying as usual, and everything seemed great. Um, everything seemed fine. Uh, once we got back to our room, uh, up until the second evening, when she just started screaming and crying, um, 
really high high pitched screams. And she was re just refusing to nurse for like eight hours. And I was struggling so much. The nurses and lactation consultants and doctors, honestly, though, didn't seem to think anything of it because the next morning she was just back to her normal self and she was feeding well again. Um, so I thought it was odd, but everyone cleared us to go home. So we did. We went home and um, she had been nursing well that morning and I thought, all right, we're good. But once we were home, she again completely refused two feeds in a row and was just starting to become a little bit less responsive. Mm -hmm. And I just thought something was off, uh, did not seem right to me. And so we ended up taking her to a different hospital with a pediatric unit just in case. And um, that's where it was discovered that her blood sugar level was 14. And for reference, a normal blood sugar range is um, 70 to 140. So her blood sugar range, her blood sugar was very low, critically low. And if we had waited much longer, there would have been risk of brain damage, actually, uh, if it had gone on for too long without intervention. So I'm so glad that we went in when we did. And so they did every test in the book to try and figure out what was going on. Um, they suspected a possible infection or a metabolic issue. And I was like, what's a metabolic issue? What, what are these options? What is wrong with my daughter? The unknown was just so, so hard. I mean, worst case scenario goes through your mind. Like, what is going on? It was just so scary. Um, but after a couple of days, we found out that she actually had a rare condition called hyperinsulinism, where her pancreas just secreted too much insulin. Um, so it's basically the opposite of diabetes. So it was pretty shocking to find out that we had a long road ahead for our, our baby um, with this rare condition. But we were also really relieved for a diagnosis and just thankful that we could bring her home and it could be managed at home with medication. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, she was able to go home after 10 days in the hospital, uh, which was again, a relief to be able to bring her home, but also scary because we didn't know what her blood sugars were going to be doing at any given moment. It was still a fairly precarious situation that just had to be managed. We had to prick her heel every two hours initially to make oh sure gosh. to check her blood sugars, to make sure that the medication was helping her maintain her blood sugars. Um, and also the first month or so, she just wasn't eating well. And she wasn't gaining weight very well. So that was that was extremely stressful because she needed food as well as her medication to maintain her blood sugars. Um, so there was just this layer of complexity in bringing home a newborn that we were just not expecting. And it was just a lot bringing her home and then having a toddler on top of that and having to check mm -hmm. her blood sugars. And it was it just was chaotic, um, to say the least, but, um, I'm happy to report that her condition is gone. It was actually a temporary condition. Um, sometimes this condition can be genetic and it can be long lasting. Um, but she got genetic testing and showed that there was no concern there. And so, That's yeah, she, awesome. she just outgrew it and she's off her medication and it's amazing to not have to worry about that anymore. 
How did Jonah do having a baby sister in the house? And I'm sure, you know, you were having relatives take care of him. And he was like, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, I think initially he was confused. He didn't know why mom was gone or dad was gone or, you know, I love my grandpa and grandma, but why am I here all the time? And <laughs> it was, it was hard for him. You know, he wasn't sleeping great. Um, but when she came home, he was so sweet. He was just such a sweet little brother, big brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, he he still is. He really is a sweet big brother to her. And um, so it was, like I said, it was chaotic. I honestly don't know if I remember it all because it was such <laughs> a blur, but <laughs> we survived. Yeah. <laughs> How would you say um, your experience with Olivia and dealing with her health challenges was different to dealing with Jonah's? Um, I think with Jonah, he was our first, and it was such a shock to us. You know, having your first child is already a shock enough. And mm -hmm. then having, you know, your child be in a hospital for three months not knowing what's going to happen each day is just a total roller coaster. I mean, it was a total shock and we were in survival mode and I mean, it was, it was so hard. We were just surviving. It was like, it was so tough. And I, I felt like God had like forgotten about us. Like we were just left to figure this out on our own. I wrestled a lot with just feeling really, really down those days. And, um, it was a really challenging time, um, not knowing what was going to happen next with Olivia. Um, it was a little bit different because it was like, we had been through it before. It wasn't new. We were at the same hospital. We had been through it before. There was an element of familiarity as much as we didn't want to be there it was, there was something about it that was familiar. And, um, hmm. I think I had through my experience with Jonah and just wrestling with God for a long time about why he allowed us to go through what we did. Um, I was able to just wrestle with God and then, you know, accept as much as I could that I, I might not know the answer. I might not know why. Hmm. Um, but I think because I wrestled with that, when we went through what we did with Olivia, I was just able to say more easily, okay, God, I don't understand, but I'm going to choose to trust you. And that was very freeing. I'm not sure if I would have been able to say that as quickly with Jonah. Um, so it was almost like, I felt like with Olivia, God was preparing us for the situation with Olivia through what we went through with Jonah. Um, and I still don't know why we had two kids in the hospital like we did, but mm -hmm. through through those situations, I really did learn to to trust God more. Yeah, I love that. I love that that you saw the difference in the second one and you felt more prepared for it. What do you think are the things that you took away from those experiences other than maybe trusting in God more? And have they shaped your mothering, your family culture, everyday life in any particular way? One thing I took away from all of this is that babies are resilient. They really can um, go through a lot and be okay. It, it's truly amazing. It was so amazing to watch them go through what they went through and then now be healthy, a healthy toddler and a healthy baby. Um, 
But, you know, when we brought them home, initially those experiences that we went through in the hospital made me really anxious. Um, I was always just on the alert for something that could be off about them. Um, Jonah had severe reflux. So he was always vomiting or had to hold him upright most nights um, to sleep. And, um, you know, with all the, the, the monitors and the beeping and the never knowing what beat meant, you know, what this beat meant or this sound meant, that was almost still ringing in my ears when we came home. So I was just always on high alert for, you know, something is something wrong. And I was just looking out for those things. Um, so in a sense, you know, when we brought Olivia home, I was kind of already in that mind of like looking out for different things. And so when, and, you know, this is motherly instinct. I think this is a God-given thing too, you know, but um, just being aware of what if something is off with, um, with our babies and with Olivia, I knew something was off. Um, and I was able to really take note of that and then take action. Um, but yeah, I did feel like I learned how to be a nurse. <laughs> my kids in the hospital, I learned things in the hospital that I never really signed up to learn, but I still, <laughs> and terms that I learned that I, you know, still have mm-hmm. with me and that have actually helped me when my kids have gotten sick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like looking out for breathing rates or um, oxygen level or um, just signs of a, like low blood sugar. Like, is Olivia, does she seem extra sleepy? Does she seem like she's really not eating well or really cranky? You know, let's check her blood sugar to make sure everything's good. Um, mm-hmm. So these are just, these are just little things that I took with with me and we kind of had a kind of protocol like we would check and if her blood sugars were below 50 we would try to feed her and make sure we could get her blood sugars up and if we couldn't get them up and they really were tanking we had a um actually were given at the hospital something called a glucagon injector I think oh, is what wow so if she was critically low and we could not get her to come back up which thankfully never happened, but we would have been able to basically inject her with this stuff called glucagon that would help her mm. blood sugars come up. And then we would have to call 911 and they'd have to walk us through everything. Thankfully, we never had to had to really walk through that. But I did come away feeling much more prepared when things like that came up or what to look for. Or, you know, we recently had to take Olivia to the ER for a totally different mm-hmm. reason, but think my confidence as a mom in like illnesses I'm able to really know what to do in certain situations more now because of yeah. those experiences it's like you have a a tool kit already to deal with those things and maybe it takes away some of the anxiety I don't know to know like okay well this isn't you know this big a deal or or she's not going to be in the hospital for very long because they're saying these things or she's having these symptoms. Maybe that puts you at ease to kind of have some more information about the situation. It really does. Most recently when Olivia was in ER for um, RSV that turned into pneumonia, that's Mm -hmm. a scary diagnosis, but because of 
everything I learned about being in the hospital and the things that I knew what they would do. I knew what the doctors and nurses would do. I kind of knew in my mind, oh, this is the course of action. This is is like how they will probably handle it. And I can kind of um, navigate that as we go forward Mm -hmm. without, you know, worrying too much about it. What are some of the hardest or scariest things um, do you think you experienced about having your kid in the hospital for an extended time uh, receiving care? I think um, seeing them pricked and prodded so much Mm -hmm. was really hard. Um, Olivia's veins were so tiny and it was really hard to get an IV into her veins Mm -hmm. that they ended up at one point having to shave her head and actually put an IV in her scalp, which I have no idea you can do that. Um, But they did. And I walked in and her hair was shaved on two sides and (laughs) Was a, it was really hard to walk in and see. They shaved my daughter's head without my permission, but they had to put an IV in and there was no, they couldn't do it in her arms and legs. And mm. um, so that was just really, really hard to see her suffering like that. Then, like I mentioned, the just the constant being of monitors and just not knowing what each noise meant. Um, and then just the feelings of helplessness, knowing that I really couldn't do anything for my children really except for talk to them and and pray I couldn't always hold them when they cried I couldn't be there the whole time with Olivia I was able to um, sleep on an uncomfortable hospital bed but then I was away from Jonah most of that time so that was hard to be away from him and then with Jonah there was no bed so we went home each night so it just it just felt wrong it felt unnatural to leave him there each night it really just broke our heart every time we had to drive away from him and that's when you were staying in the the Ronald McDonald house. Yeah, we uh, initially we were at our house, but the drive to the hospital was really long, so we um, ended up staying at the Ronald McDonald house, which was a, a short bus ride away from the hospital. Mm-hmm. So we were able to be only a few minutes away from him, which really actually helped with having to leave him each night, knowing mm-hmm. that we were actually much closer than we were at our house. So that was a huge help. Um, but it was just still so hard to just not be, not be able to be in the room with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coda has only had one kind of hospital scare. We're so grateful in all his 20 months of life. Um, but it was when he was a week old and he was so small oh and God. he wasn't eating and he wasn't gaining weight. Um, and so we had to bring him to the hospital and he had too much bilirubin. I can't believe I forget what it's called, but he had jaundice. He had jaundice because he had um, too much bilirubin in his system. And I felt so helpless, like a bad mother, like he wasn't drinking enough. He literally wasn't feeding enough. So like, it's my fault, you know, but the hardest thing about that was I wasn't able to care for him. It's like, I don't know. I think it's different as a mom because you literally can feed your baby and you're figuring it out. You're not great at it but you can do something Mm -hmm. to help your babies at the beginning. And it's something only you can do. And so I I was watching him in this little glass chamber getting light therapy. And I was like, I can't help him. I I can't access him. You can't, I can't touch him. I could feed him thankfully. So every few hours I would get up from the room they provided us 
go feed him every few hours, but then I'd have to leave him. And I felt like I wasn't doing my job. Like I, I wasn't taking care of him. And I wanted to take care of him so much. Um, yeah. So I know what you mean. Wow. I did not know that he had gone through that. How long was he in the hospital for? He was in the hospital for like a day. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think it was like, like a day and a half, something like that. But it was similar to what you were saying, um, where you go in for a routine checkup. So we actually had his first pediatrician appointment, which by the grace of God, we had kind of early and she caught it and she went, yeah, I don't like these levels. I'm going to do some labs, um, took some blood. And then that evening we were eating dinner with Diego's aunt and uncle and we get this call and she's that she's this awesome pediatrician. So she said it very tactfully, but basically you need to go to the hospital. We're going to check you in. We're going to do this light therapy. It's very standard. He'll need to be there for you know a few days. And so we were like, uh, now? And she was like, yeah, now. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, uh, okay, let's drop the Peruvian chicken and put a little bag of clothes together. Like, it's so crazy. That is so scary. And honestly, one day is a day too long in the NICU. I, from the many people I've talked to who have had babies in the NICU, it doesn't matter if you've been in there one day or 120 days. It is so hard, no matter what. No matter how long you're in there and yeah, you feel yeah, like you're feeling their world. It's like, like we had to wash our hands going in. Like people talk very differently in there, like about the kids, about the babies and about how, you know, you're supposed to be acting. Oh my gosh. It's, it's an intense, I, I would imagine it's like the ER, you know, it's, it's a very different part of the hospital. Yes. Oh yes. And then, you know, they kind of have a standard of how things are going to go and you're sort of left out. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember feeling like I'm kind of left out of this equation, but I don't know what, what you're talking about. I don't know what yeah. you're doing, you know, so it is really hard. So you were there for three months in the Ronald McDonald house? Just about. Yeah. Okay. So you were saying it, it felt really hard to go through this alone. You, you felt very alone. So did you feel isolated too? Was it hard to like find and maintain community since no one really understood your unique situation? Yeah, I think um, initially it was really hard not having any current friends who have gone through what we went through, um, and I couldn't think of anybody I could talk to about this, Um, but we actually found community in the Ronald McDonald House with the other parents who are going through similar things in the NICU with their kids, Um, and also in the parent lunchroom, we met parents. So as isolating as it was, we also did still find some community with with people that were going through similar situations. And everybody's situation was also very different. You're all in the NICU, but everybody's story is so different. And so it was amazing to get to hear stories of what people were going through not amazing, but also encouraging to know that you're not alone in this, that other parents were going through this, Mm -hmm. um, to get perspective when we learned that somebody's baby was going to be there for many more months than ours was, Mm -hmm. or to just celebrate with a, a family who was able to go home that day. Um, so it was, it was so isolating, but also we did have that that community with us um 
mm-hmm. and we did really get to know some people and, and create some friendships, which we otherwise would not have had. Um, mm-hmm. But we also had, you know, a lot of support from our families and friends, our ch- church community. People were, you know, sending us m- meals and praying for us. And, you know, so we had a lot of people surrounding us. Um, so we did, we did feel supported in that time. Um, but also, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's a combination. Like you feel so alone, you feel so isolated, you feel like you're the only one, but then you realize you're not the only one, but also my story is totally different than everybody else's and everybody else's story is totally different than mine. And, um, so it's just such a, such a unique, a unique situation to be in. Mm. It's neat that in the Ronald McDonald house, you can find a community with other families, though. You know, I think that's kind of a unique space and and that's an added benefit that you find other people who you kind of get to walk through things together. Yeah, and it was really cool, too, being able to keep up with those some of those families and say, how's how's your baby doing after we all had left the NICU and we are all home? You know, how's your baby? Mm-hmm. doing? How's everything going? And just to hear how everybody's doing after we had been through all of that was really cool to kind of keep up with them afterwards. So while you were going through these hard times with your kids, are there any stories that come to mind of funny moments or uh, unexpected blessings that kind of lifted your spirits? Yeah, I think um, there were a lot of unexpected blessings. I don't think I could see them in the moment, but looking back, um, we had a really great doctor at the NICU for Jonah. He was actually the head of the NICU. Whoa. Yeah. He was um, very just positive. He would come in and be like, hey, what's up, guys? Just like just had always a positive outlook Mm -hmm. on Jonah's situation and just everything. And it was really a breath of fresh air. Um, And he also was very um, in tune with like my mom intuition. He's like, if you see something that is not right about your son and we are not doing anything about it you need to bring that to our attention because mm. you know your child and um so he factored that into the care for Jonah which was pretty amazing because I have not had you know you don't always have those kind of experiences with doctors so um actually after leaving the NICU he got our our phone numbers and we mm-hmm. text updates and pictures um with pictures of Jonah and he's just like so amazing. Jonah's doing great. And I um, love that. Love it. Was, it. it was cool. Um, that like the head doctor was, you know, mm-hmm. just like connecting with us like that. Um, and then we had a lot of great nurses. There's one nurse in particular, Jen, she was hilarious. She just would come in and, you know, and not like overly, not overly funny. It was just like a subtle, subtle, funny that kind of like also lighten the days, just mm-hmm. make the days that we were with her more lighthearted. And so just having people like that kind of come in, not making light of the situation, but just mm. having a positive outlook about what was going on was really helpful because we were feeling like this is the worst thing we could ever go through. And it just yeah. really needed people to just kind of be like it's okay you're gonna be okay um and then um yeah for Olivia I I actually 
really appreciated having a community of nurses. Um, every nurse we had was great. It was during COVID when we had been in quarantine for two weeks because prior to my delivery, you know, at that time they were having people quarantined before coming to be delivered. So we had really had not been around many people for those two weeks. And I was just desperate for people to talk to. And so it was almost like, all right, you guys are here and you're willing to talk to me and even let me cry and <laughs> needed that. And I was really thankful for that. Um, and then also just the doctors and specialists that knew exactly what tests to run for Olivia mm. um, at the right time to diagnose her. Like her blood sugar had to be at a certain level to test her a certain way. If she had been at any other hospital, the diagnosis would not have come probably for weeks because her condition was so rare. Wow. Um, but they were able to diagnose her within two days and we got an answer and we got a treatment. And if it wasn't for the specialists who just like knew what they were doing, we would have, we would have been there for a long time still without answers. And, mm. um, and then also just having an open room for her. Um, we had gotten to the hospital during a time when that particular floor, so she was actually in the PICU, which is pediatric ICU, which is different than the NICU, which is neonatal ICU. Um, she was in the pediatric ICU because once you leave a hospital and you come back, you actually have to go to the PICU instead of back to the NICU because the NICU oh. is so sterile. Everything has to be so clean. And mm. um, so, but the PICU floor was really busy. They were inundated with kids for all kinds of things, not even COVID related, just diabetes or heart issues or all kinds of things. Mm. And if we had come even a day earlier, there would not have been a room for her. And they were oh, literally wow. sending kids to other hospitals because they didn't mm -hmm. have room. So it really was God's timing for us to go home when we did and okay. actually wait a little bit and then come in when we did because there was a room for her, which was amazing. So there were just a lot of little things that um, popped up that were really amazing looking back now that, you know, God's hand was in all of these things and the blessings here and there. Wow, that's pretty incredible. Other than the medical professionals that you were talking about who so contributed to your kids getting better and just you and Brian getting through those hard times, what are and are there any other things that helped you get through the medical challenges, the hospital stays? Yeah, I think the community that we had was so helpful that really helped helped us get through that. The the people around us, they were not necessarily the people that I signed up to hang out with. Parents, mm -hmm. kids in the NICU, you never sign up to have those people as your community at that time. But that was um, actually so helpful. And many days I really didn't want to talk to anyone necessarily. I didn't want to like engage with people. Sometimes it was just too hard. I just wanted to be by myself. Um, but at the same time, it was so helpful to to meet with somebody in in the parent lunchroom and just talk to them about what they were going through or shoot the breeze. Just talk about, you know, anything to get our minds off of what was what was happening or even just encourage each other. Um, so just pressing into that community really helped. Um, and then, I mean, 
as a Christian, like God's word was my strength during that time. As much as I, there were many days where I didn't feel him. I was confused. I didn't understand what was going on. I just pressed into God's word as much as I could. Um, there was a verse that really kind of stuck with me for what I went through with Olivia. Um, it's Isaiah 40, 11. It says, he, Jesus, will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Um, and that was just comforting for me because you're in a situation where, like you were saying, you can't really do anything. You can't, like, you have this job as a mother, but you can't really do it <laughs> like you want to. But for me, it was a comfort to know that, like, Jesus was taking care of me <laughs> and he was also taking care of my babies, you know, Olivia at the time, but also it, uh, it applies to Jonah too. Like he was <laughs> taking care of them when I couldn't. And that was such an encouragement for me knowing that, you know, ultimately God is the one that they are his children. He is taking care of them. Even when I can't, even when I'm feeling like I'm failing at my job, um, but, you know, he, he helps, he helped me through that. Um, and then just going to God with my questions, like there was many, many months after Jonah came home that I had so many questions and I wrestled with God about a lot of things. Um, and really just was like, really kind of mad at him <laughs> for a lot of, things, but was glad that I walked through that. I'm glad that I wrestled with those questions and, um, although I didn't really come out with like all the answers I would have wanted or the why behind it all. I came back, I came out with a deeper trust in God that did prepare me for what I went through with Olivia. And um, so, you know, there were many other things I think that helped me through, but those are kind of the main, really the main things looking back, the main theme of what really got me through. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful verse. I love that. Um, I'm going to have to go read that. I see a theme in what you're saying of people walking beside you, you know, medical practitioners and also family and friends walking with you and then God walking with you and just being present and taking care of you and listening. Um, that's so important. And I think that's that's really the most precious thing that you can have in those moments. You know, there may be moms listening whose stories didn't end like mine that don't have such a positive end um, or were just much, much harder and longer than mine were. And I just want to acknowledge you and say that God has not forgotten you, that he is writing your story. He cares about you and your babies. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful for the story that God wrote for my husband and I and our children, but do want to recognize that there are others out there who have gone through much, much harder situations than we have. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's so much packed into just a few short years. Um, I'm sure you never wanted to be an expert on hospital wings or medical procedures or any of that, um, especially when you're there because your kids are in scary health situations. But you were able to be there for your kids, and they came out the other side, and that's so wonderful. We're so glad Jonah and Olivia are doing so well right now. They are the sweetest kids. And uh, Coda loves that his little friends live right next door. We love it too. Really glad you found hope in those times and can now share hope. You can speak hope into um, other people's lives who find themselves in dark places as parents. It's pretty amazing to hear how God 
preserved you all um, and preserved you as a mom through all of it, uh, even when you didn't have the answers you were hoping for, and even brought you unexpected blessings at just the right time. So thanks for sharing, Jessica. Thanks for having me. It was great. I really enjoyed talking to you, Caitlin. Thanks for listening in on our conversation, everyone. Maybe it encouraged you or made you think of a friend whose kids are facing health problems. Feel free to share this episode so others can benefit too. I hope it blessed you. Until next time.